Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alashe, Ryan Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poplen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. All right, welcome to the Corner Kick Podcast. Uh, this is Brooks Lambeer from the WDBM studio in uh, East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we are talking with Travis Clark, a reporter from TopTourSoccer.com. Travis, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Anytime. Uh, so today we'll talk a little bit about uh, big-time women's soccer. Uh, we'll get Travis's uh, analysis on uh, the teams this year and some players, uh, as well as a little predictions. So let's just kind of go in order, alphabetical order here. Uh, let's start with the University of Illinois. They have a great player in Janelle Flaws, who scored 23 goals last year. They made the NCAA tournament, lost in the third round. You know, what's your take on Illinois this year? You know, I think a lot of it will kind of come down to how Flaws replicates her junior season because when you look at what she did before that, she scored, I think, just one or two goals because she'd been battling from the injuries. So, you know, getting unlocking her potential and making sure that she can kind of replicate that. I mean, that's not an easy feat to score 20-plus goals back-to-back seasons, but I think that's going to be one of the keys for them. Uh, the loss of Vanessa DiBernardo, they got to find some midfield creativity to set up flaws. So in order to come close to last season's accomplishments, that's going to be one of the, the bigger uh, needs on their list. And this year they start off, they're one and one through two games. They lost to number 16 Notre Dame and they beat Louisville. You know, is that, uh, obviously you're going to play tough out of conference opponents. That helps you a little bit, uh, but the big 10 is so good this year. You know, is that a, is that a, not a bad start for Illinois to begin the season? No, it's really not. That Notre Dame team is stacked with a lot of talent, and while they were entering that game with a new coach, uh, the Notre Dame obviously had a new coach. There's so many good players on the Notre Dame team that it's a great first game test for the Illini. And every you know initial game, every first second game of the season in college soccer aren't going to be the best in terms of how a team plays because you know preseason they have preseason, but they're it's not a long preseason, so I think that you can't hang your head for too long. They took the lead one, nothing against Notre Dame. Maybe a little bit of disappointment to not hold it for a longer stretch of the game, but uh, to bounce back with a win against Louisville, who is you know, a team facing a lot of, of transition of their own, but still pretty good program, is a good, solid result to round up that opening weekend. It's something definitely to build on. Yeah, and I believe Louisville made the NCAA tournament last year, so... Uh, not a bad Louisville Cardinal team. Is anyone else going to help Janelle Flaws out offensively? Can she do it by herself? I mean, that, that's going to be the real question of their season. Nicole Brees set up Flaws for a goal over the weekend. Is that going to be something she can replicate? You know, how they build up and generate chances near the box because Flaws showed that she is a poacher, someone who could finish in a variety of ways, but she's not going to be able to do it on her own. And then the Big Ten website has a little uh, preseason coaches poll. They're picked to finish seventh. Is that do you think that's about where they'll finish? That's all they really have, or can they finish in the top five? I think the top five finish isn't out of the question. It's you know a question of is Falls going to score enough? Are they going to be able to kind of shore things up at the back, if you will? 
Uh, let's go to the Indiana Hoosiers. 15-7-1 last year uh, through two games this year. They're 1-1. One one. Uh, they beat Indiana State, but they be, uh, lost to a very good Eastern Michigan team. You know, made the tournament last year, lose their top-leading scorer last year. Uh, what's Indiana look like this season? Oh, they're another one that they've lost a couple of big pieces from last year. You know, they're bringing back players like uh, Abby Smith, the senior, Tori Keller, the senior, that the loss to Eastern Michigan is going to be a little bit of a, a downer if you're looking at the long view of hoping for an at-large bid. You know, they're they're a team that perhaps overachieved a little bit, um, and along with lo- losing Lisa Nguyen-Singi, for forgive me for pronouncing <laughs> her name, Sorry. and Rebecca Candler, um, you know those are kind of some big losses. Amy Burberry did a great job last year first season to lead that team that far. There's no question that they can, you know, it's college soccer. Any team really can kind of compete in conference at some point. But uh, I thought that they were projected to finish 10th, and I think that could be a little bit selling them short. But at the same time, um, especially with the two new teams in the Big Ten, it's a very good conference, and they could very well slip down to be that low in the standings. So like a lot of these teams on their list, a lot of questions to answer a lot of holes in the field to fill, but again, there's still something to build off from last season, if you will. And probably one of the most interesting teams, the Iowa Hawkeyes. To- Coach Tom Saxon has mentioned that they they look to be very dangerous this year. Uh, in your piece, you wrote they have a, a, a Iowa Gatorade Player of the Year for four straight years, coming and uh, an incoming freshman. You know, they were fifteen seven and one, and they started off two and zero this season. Uh, what do you make of Iowa? Well, they're a team, again, you know, probably more returning pieces than some other ones. You know, Chloe LaCasse is a great forward. Melanie Picker, Caitlin Brown, experience and quality from them. Um, but Rip Slinger, you've you got a four-time state player of the year, and even for Iowa. You know, it's Iowa soccer, so I don't know what Iowa soccer in high school is like. Yeah. But that's still, to put together four quality high school seasons, that's got to be a decent player. Now, their big story is they have a new head coach, uh, Ron Rainey left for Dartmouth, and Dave Delani, who achieved a great deal of success at the Division II level. Mm-hmm. Grand Valley, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grand Valley. Mm-hmm. So how you know he's got to make that adjustment to the Big Ten. He's got to make the adjustment to Division One athletics. And as provided he can do that, I think maybe you see Iowa punch a little bit above what some people are expecting out of them. Yeah, people only, people don't like them around the eight, eight spot. I mean, uh, for how much talk they get, do you think they can finish at least – five, you know, between that eight and five spot, maybe higher? I think a top five finish isn't out of the question. You know, it's going to depend a lot on, you know, we'll, get, we'll get to them later, but what Nebraska and Michigan can do because they've got to retool so much mm-hmm. uh, that if Iowa can really hit the ground running in conference play and you know, kind of build that momentum, rattle off one win after another, you couldn't rule them out for a top five finish for, by any stretch of the imagination. Now, you know, long way to go, again, as I said before, but when you look at sort of the layout of the Big Ten, that's not impossible. Now moving on to Maryland. Team coming from the ACC, new to the Big Ten, 10-10 uh, and 10 last year, 0-2 their first two games, but they head out to California and they play number number one ranked UCLA and they lose 3-0. Not many people know about this Maryland program. Um, tell t- Can you tell us a little about uh, the, the Terrapins and what they're going to bring to the Big Ten? Yeah, you know, they're... They're a good team. They're a solid outfit led by head coach John Morgan. He's done a great job with them. Obviously, their their story is 
figuring out a way to make the adjustment to the travel to the the new opposition. I, you know, I talked to the head coach earlier this season, John Morgan, as I said, and he was talking about he, the lay of the Big Ten was a little bit unknown just because so many seniors were heading out the door. You know, when you look at the, the teams that I mentioned, Michigan, Nebraska, Penn State to some extent, but. Mm-hmm. Maryland did lose Haley Brock, who was kind of an explosive forward, very good. But they have some, you know, Corey Bryant. Corey Ryan, excuse me, is, is a solid finisher who should be able to pick up some of that scoring slack. Experienced goalkeeper Rochelle Beanland didn't have her best game out in California, letting in a goal. She probably should have saved against UCLA, um, but they still lost 3-0. Mm-hmm. You can't read too much into that result just because that UCLA team is going to devour opposition all year they, they conceded zero shots on goal mm-hmm. just to kind of sum up how good that team is so okay. you know in some ways that'll that'll serve Maryland better when they're hitting the Big Ten schedule and they're not playing teams of UCLA's caliber not that that's the slightest they're kind of opposition it's just more this is what the how good UCLA is they're kind of in their a league of their own uh, heading into this year if you will so They'll they'll probably mix it up. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not going to project the finish. I think they should be able to round out into the top five because, you know, the ACC is a bit stronger than the Big Ten, so they should be able to, you know, squeeze out a win or two here or there that they didn't last season. So, you know, I think that they're going to be a great addition to the league, no doubt. On the women's side, it's a little bit under the radar. Obviously, the men's addition is big, but... Uh, the Maryland women's soccer team is a pretty great program too. And then I guess move on to the University of Michigan Wolverines. Eighteen four and one last season, Final Four uh, last year. They start off two and zero. Not the strongest schedule against Cal State, Northridge, and Bowling Green. They lose their top sc- uh, scorers, scored fourteen goals last year. But they do have Madison Lewis coming back, who scored six goals last season. And you, as you mentioned earlier, they have a little rebu- uh, rebuilding to do. So what can we see this year from the Wolverines? Well, you know, they they had, I think, it was more than just, and Cam Azarike was their leading scorer they lost. So they lost, you know, the likes of Shalina Zardowski. They're just one of their defenders. And, you know, there's this long list of pretty significant contributors. Uh, defender Holly Hines, another player to graduate. Uh, so I think a lot of their success this season will be dependent on a, a pretty big, decent uh, freshman class that they added depending on how they kind of step into the fold, make the adjustment to college soccer, you know. Mm-hmm. You look at someone like Madison Lewis, she's only going to be a sophomore, so this is going to be a young team. Uh, freshman Taylor Kimko, she scored. You know, she's going to have to kind of stand up and deliver. I saw Megan Hines got some time in goal, another freshman. So depending on how they kind of adjust the head coach Greg Ryan system, that's going to really dictate their success. I think that a little bit ambitious to pick down the finish in the top five, but I think it's a notch to the, the head coaching ability of Ryan more than it is necessarily the players they have on the roster. That's not that to say they, you know, they don't have a good team now. It's more that that team yes, last year was so good, and you know, there's so many questions and holes they've got to fill that um, there is, it's going to be a whole season kind of campaign to rebuild things and retool. Yeah, you know they start off, they start off the season with the next ex- exhibition game against Western Michigan. They lose one 0 and then you know they're heading they're heading to California uh, for two games against San Diego State and I believe UC Irvine. I guess not the strongest out of conference schedule. Is it going to help prepare them for the tough uh, Big Ten? You know that's a, that's a good question. It, it's a calculated risk, I think, because if you lose a game here or there, that could end up damaging your uh, your non conference schedule and your tournament chances. 
you know, if you even look beyond that, Toledo and Central Michigan, I think it's not uh, it, it's not the worst approach because with such a team, you've got to kind of figure out where pieces fit and and what needs to happen for your team to succeed. If you, and I'm not going to call these cupcake games because <laughs> every college soccer match, I'm sure, is tough and mm-hmm. everyone wants to beat you. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at that schedule, and if you can navigate it with, you know, let's say, let's say they have six non-conference games for the conference schedule. You know, you you go five and one. You're you're sitting pretty. You've had a chance to tune up against some opponents that aren't as difficult as your schedule. So that you know that could end up blowing up in your face. But at the same time, it could end up serving you well because you're well positioned and you've had a chance to kind of retool and rework things, and your freshmen have adjusted. So. It's a risky approach, but it's one that, you know, depending on what happens when they hit the conference schedule, it's what's going to dictate the success of it. And now moving on to the Michigan State Spartans, I guess here's my analysis of the team. They're very, they they have a deep roster. They have 30 players on the schedule, on, on the roster. And all last spring, Tom Saxton really focused on defending as a unit. And through the spring, well, from what I saw, was that they had, they had started to accomplish that. And then watching their exhibition game against Virginia, they gave Virginia a lot of trouble. I know it's just an exhibition game and they want to, people want to get players to play, but they did very well against Virginia taking the uh an early lead and then, you know, giving up two goals. And then, you know, they go to California, they beat a good San Diego State team and then uh 3-1 and then they beat Cal State Fullerton 1-0. Uh, Jamie Cheslick scores two goals, the freshman. You know, what, what's kind of your analysis about Michigan State and where they may end up in this Big Ten? Well, you would probably know better than me, right, having seen them up close and personal. But, mm-hmm. no, you know, I think Cheslick was one of their big recruits, and if she's somebody who can really, you know, enjoy one of those freshman seasons, maybe double-digit goals, and like you said, if the defense is clicking as, you know, you one goal in two games start to the season, against two pretty decent teams, uh, if, if you kind of get on a roll like that. You know, college soccer is all about momentum, and anything can kind of happen there. Maybe they crack the top the top five, maybe top eight finish at the end of the season. Um, I think that defensively, with that focus and that approach, you know, maybe they were not the most fun team to watch from if you're looking to see some attack in soccer, but it can be quite effective. And, you know, you, if you start building that momentum, crazier things have happened. So... I think you got to get somebody to score goals, and if if they have this kid Cheslick scoring goals as a freshman already, that could be a big step towards uh, exceeding expectations, if you will. Uh, if you look at their you know pick to finish twelfth in the conference, so hmm. uh, that's kind of where I see it. You're never really going to know for sure, and you know freshmen can kind of go you know have a great weekend or two, and then kind of disappear for the rest of the year. So uh, I think that. Is kind of one of the things they really need to work on uh, scoring goals if you're focused on defense. How big is it that Paige Wester needs to score goals? She was, you know, Miss Soccer one year in high school. She's dream team in high school, injured last year. But how 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 much does she need to step up for the offense? Well, you know, if you're you're you know, as I was just harping on goal scoring, and if she's your senior, she's a forward. She's one of the team's leaders, one of the team's most experienced players. If she can also kind of emerge as that option, you know, that's, you know, if Cheslick's one part of the equation, then Paige Wester can be the other part of it. University of Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, 11-8-2 made the 
NCAA tournament last year. Very good returning goalie. As a freshman last year, I think in your article, she said she, she, uh, you said she stopped 122 shots, uh, didn't give up a lot of goals. They start off, they beat Stetson 10-0, and then they lose to Florida State, who was ranked number two in the country, 4-1. You know, starting off 1-1 one one through two games. But what do you make of Minnesota? I feel like they're a very dangerous team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I, honestly, when I saw the preseason coaching coaches poll come out, I was kind of surprised to see them be picked a, a so low. Yeah, I, I know that goalkeepers don't score goals and don't do everything, but Tara Hobbs is such a great year. Maybe some coaches were sort of banking on it and not. Maybe they're saying, oh, well, that was just lightning in a bottle, and maybe she'll kind of come back to earth a little bit. But, I don't know, like I was just harping on with Michigan State, you got to score some goals. Katie Sykin and Josie Stever are, are two of those uh, candidates. You know, And if they can't find the back of the net, you know, Hobbs can save 150 but when you let in one, you lose one zero, and uh, lo and behold, that's kind of your season in a nutshell. So, uh, testing them against Florida, testing themselves against Florida State was a good, solid outing, and, and you know they they held their own, I believe. They held them to one zero at the half or something before Florida State really clicked in the second half, and that Florida that Seminoles team is right up there, close to UCLA. So, uh, you know, even if you lose by three goals, you can take something away from a match like that. So I think the Gophers, you know, I think they could end up somewhere in the top 10 probably. I'm not going to necessarily say who where at this point. I'm not, I don't have crystal ball, but <laughs> I think that's a team that if, you know, Hobbs is on a streak again, and they could be a, a team nobody wants to play come tournament time. I mean, their out-of-conference schedule is very good as well. They're, they play number uh number 15 Marquette, then they play Ole Miss, who finished 34th in the country last year. I mean, they're obviously they're prepping for a tough Big Ten uh, season. Yeah, I know, but yeah, that as we discussed kind of with Michigan, what if that backfires, you lose all your games, and then you struggle in conference, and that kind of your season spirals down or instead of you know building upwards. So mm-hmm. I think that's it'll be interesting to see how the approaches of those two Big Ten programs in particular contrast throughout the year and how it ends up at the end of the season. All right, and then moving on to the uh, University of Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, 19-4-1 last year, finished uh, eighth last year in the NCAA rankings. They're 1-1 one one right now, defeated SMU 4-0, and they lost to Paul 2-1. They take the regular season away from Penn State, who were 15, for 15 straight years they had won the regular season. Is this the new, I guess, top team in the Big Ten? Have they overthrown Penn State? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. With no disrespect <laughs> to the Cornhuskers and their great campaign last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose players like Ari Romero and Jordan Jackson, and you know, at the flip side, Penn State brings in the number two recruiting class. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's still going to be a golf between the two programs. But that being said, uh, I like what I saw out of J.C. Johnson. This speedster up front can out, outrun your defenses, score a bunch of goals, name Conroy back, lots of experience, uh, another offensive weapon. Question will be, you know, how they're are they going to keep enough? Are they going to stop enough goals? Are they going to defensively, uh, without Romero, keep things together? So that's going to be their question. I think Penn State, you know, we'll get to them later, but they're they're my team to be in the Big Ten this year. So um, to answer your question, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you see a top five finish from this team in the, in the I, Big Ten? I don't necessarily think they can. I think maybe a team or two we. Cover already nips them, beats them to the top five. They're like a you know six, seven, or eight team. Northwestern University, not very good season last year. Three fourteen and two. 
Through two games, they're one and one though. They defeat number fifteen Marquette. What's going on here? They're they are they turning around this year? Is it, it is a new team, new new attitude? Yeah, you know, I it's so hard to to know what to make of them at this point. I know they have got a really good recruiting crop lined up, but you know, I saw I believe their loss with the I'm looking it up here right now, but. Uh, Fairline, dri- Fairline Dick- Dickinson, they lost to. Yeah, and, and you see that, and you think, well, that's going to be another long season for them. But then you look at the um, the result against Marquette, and then that makes me, you know, hang on, what's going on there? I don't think I think it might be a year too soon for Northwestern. I think you're probably going to see another bottom of the table finish from them. Uh, you know, you got Margot McGinty back in midfield, um, someone who can, you know, versatile, kind of fit anywhere, neither in the back line or in the middle of the park. But there's just not enough here that screams to me, oh, these, this program's ready to go, ready to turn it around quite yet. They've got some good players in, but 2015 could be the year you see them knocking on the door, at least for the top 10, maybe a top 8. They didn't score many goals last year, so I assume they have a, a problem like last year, like Michigan State and Minnesota did. They need to score more goals. Right, yeah. I mean, you can you can boil down a, a college soccer team by saying either, well, they need to score more goals. They need to let in less goals, or do both. You can make a really simple analysis. Why? <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Ohio State University Buckeyes. Ten seven three last year made the NCAA tournament. Very tough schedule to begin with. They have an exhibition against Wake Forest, which they win. They beat Duke, who's number eighteen, and then they lose to UNC, number four. Uh, what do you make of this Ohio State team? No, I really like what I saw from Michelle Prince. Uh, she was a Canadian U20 youth player who was at the playing at the World Cup in August, and you know she's a dynamic attacking talent that can really beat up on Big Ten defenses. Someone who could probably get you ten or fifteen goals. She'll need help from someone. You know, Kayla Varner is a good option to kind of complement Prince. And I think you know that that that's someone you need to see both step up and both kind of put together complete healthy seasons and. You know, like because of the college soccer season can be so short, you get an injury, you get to a key player, and that's four or five games you could end up losing. That could cost you a tournament spot. So I think the Buckeyes will be there thereabouts when you're looking at the top eight places in the conference there. Mm-hmm. You know, barring something unexpected or shocking, that's kind of where I see them falling. Yeah, well, they still have another tough non-conference game against Virginia Tech, so we'll see how that ends up. Right, and that could mm-hmm. end up being proving beneficial, you know, at this point of the year, you lose an ACC team, it's not the end of the world. Penn State, Nittany Lions, 15-7-1 last year, finished ninth in the 2013 rankings, 2-0, and defeat West Virginia, number 12 uh, ranked team in the country, uh, 3-1, and then they beat Syracuse. Do they take back the throne in the regular season this year? I think so. It, anything else would kind of be pretty shocking to me because they've, they've got a great blend of you know, experienced players make coming back, seniors or juniors, uh, you, know, you can go through the list. You know, Whitney Church, your defensive leader, midfielder Raquel Rodriguez is mm-hmm. your creative force, kind of in the middle of the park. Mallory Weber uh, up front, banging the goals. You add in talented freshmen. You got Emily Ogle, who's been with the U.S. U18 women's national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Ball, who's very similar to kind of a Maya Hayes mold of kind of this athletic and explosive attacker that can stretch a back line. So. You know, and then you add in head coach Erica Walsh, her experience, what she's been able to do on a year-to-year basis at State College. For me, there's no one, you know, they're the clear favorites this year, despite, you know, slipping up, quote-unquote, 
and finishing only in third place last year. Then Purdue University Boilermakers, uh, 8-10-1. From what you said, they scored a lot of goals, but they just couldn't keep them out of, out of the back of their net. They're 1-1 one one right now, lost to Miami of Ohio, and then they defeated Ohio. Didn't make the NCAA tournament last year, but they do have uh, Maddie Williams coming back, who scored 10 goals last season. Is, is, is a 10-14 to 14 finish looking like kind of something that will happen for them this year? Yeah, well, you know, when you're picking to finish last in the league, it doesn't bode well for the season. Not that that's necessarily the indicator. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if they crack the top 10. I think 10 to 14 is a good, solid pick. You know, you, you're looking at it, like I, like you said, you summed it up nicely, taking away any chance for me to, to provide any analysis. But <laughs> you know, you, with someone like Maddie Williams, you can always worry about a sophomore slump, and that could, uh, you know, kind of frustrate them or cause problems for them even, even further. But you know, barring a, a big shock, I think that's where you're going to see them this year. And then moving on to Rutgers, new team in the Big Ten this year, uh, along with Maryland, 13-4-5, made the NCAA, NCAA tournament last year. What does Rutgers bring to the Big Ten? Well, they bring a new coach. Uh, their associate head coach, Mike O'Neill, took over the top spot after Glenn Brooks announced his retirement in July. So they'll be going going through the transition of that, even though it's not as big of a deal because of, you know, you're bringing on the associate head coach and there's a level of familiarity there. There's a good experience of, you know, they have the top scorebacks. So Stephanie Schultz had 10 goals last year. But, uh, exciting young talent, Madison Tiernan, she's back once again. Erica Skorowski leads the defense. So uh, it's hard to know exactly where Rutgers will fall. I think, you know, 5 to 10 probably seems like a good fit. Like Maryland, they'll have to be adjusting to new opponents, new stadiums, new travel schedules. So, you know, if they end up struggling on their kind of back-to-back road games, that could prove to be costly. At the same time, they could end up thriving and kind of shock the rest of the league, maybe even knock on the door of the top five. So so they're a little bit more of a wild card because they're not coming from the ACC like the Terps are, but Mm -hmm. I I think they're going to be another uh, positive addition to the conference in women's soccer. And then finally, the Wisconsin Badgers. I feel like this is the team that if there's any other team in the Big Ten that can overthrow Penn State, it's this team. They have one girl that plays for the U.S. National U-20 team and one that plays for the Canadian uh, U-20 National team. Kara Wells returns, scored nine goals last season. They're 2-0 to start off the 2014 season. They beat Oregon, who wasn't really great last year. They beat him 1-0. And then Tennessee, who had some down years, has had a couple the last two years haven't been as good as they have been in the past, but they beat them 2-1 in overtime. Am I, am I wrong to say that possibly they can overthrow Penn State? No, you know, I was just going to say that. Um, that was going to be the way I, I kind of framed it. Is You know, if you're looking for, I don't want to call them a sleeper, but if you're looking for a team that can threaten Penn State, they kind of have the elements that, you know, your Nebraska's and Michigan had last year. Really positive young attackers. You know, Rose Lavelle was, a dar- was you know, the the darling of the World Cup for the U.S. U-20s, if you will. She, you know, a great playmaker, a great center midfielder, can make things happen. Already notched a couple of assists early on the year. Kara Walls is your experienced senior finisher. Senior goalkeeper, Genevieve Richard. Lots of experience in goal there. And then Kinley McNichol was a captain of the Canadian U-20 national team. So, you know, if they can keep healthy, they can get on a roll, build some momentum. I think they could... Uh, they could knock off Penn State and pick pick up the regular season number one spot. You know, the question will be, I think, uh, can someone like Walls be that consistent finisher? Because Penn State have sort of these, you know, numerous weapons where one person's off and 
uh, other players can pop up in their spot. But for Wisconsin, a lot of the goal scoring will have to fall on Walls' shoulders. And if she kind of hits a rough patch of the season, maybe that's enough for Penn State to pull away. So okay. they're they're going to be one of my teams to watch this season when I can, no doubt, though, regardless of if they're first place or not. And then if with the 14 teams in the Big Ten, nine teams made the NCAA tournament last year. Do you see nine making it again? I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to be quite that many. I think that the Big Ten is definitely underrated to some capacity, but... Uh, you have uh, not a lot, but a couple of those teams from last year kind of answering those questions of, well, you know, is Michigan going to be close to, I mean, close enough to itself of last year? Same with Nebraska, or, you know, can Illinois recover from their key losses, and, you know, can Flaws do it again? So, but then again, you know, Rutgers and Maryland are two tournament teams, so in that sense, I think a 79 range is probably what you're looking at, barring any really poor, shocking, surprising season this year. Any team compete for a national championship this year? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say Penn State, and if you if you need a dark horse out of me, Wisconsin will be that. How about player of the year in the Big Ten? Who do you think it's going to end up being? I think someone like Rose Lavelle could do it. She's only a sophomore, but she, she looks like a, a star in the making. I think if Floss puts together another 20-goal year, she'll have a really good shout. Uh, Mallory Weber... Penn State for, you know, they love goals. So, you know, I was going to see goal scorers get that, those honors. Uh, maybe, you know, a sleeper could be J.C. Johnson, Mayan Conroy in Nebraska. Uh, definitely a lot, a lot of talent out there, especially in the final third, who who could end up nipping that award. How about a, a team that may be really under the radar that could make the Big Ten tournament? I'm going to go just be looking at the, the preseason poll, you know, were the top ten make it? Eight? It was eight. Yeah, eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe like a Minnesota or a Michigan State could end up sneaking in there if you're going off the preseason coaches poll because they're not they're picking them not make it. How about five freshmen to watch this year in the Big Ten? Five freshmen to watch. Um, boy, you're putting me in the spot right now. <laughs> uh, a couple of them I mentioned already. Emily Oval, Elizabeth Ball. You have your uh, Penn Staters. Oh, let's see. Uh, somebody in Michigan's got to step up. Annie Sarkisian, Sarkisian mm-hmm. uh, she'll probably get a lot of chances. Uh, same with Taylor Timko. Then uh, Nikki Waltz at Ohio State, somebody that was tabbed as a, a player to watch. You know, it's always difficult to know how these freshmen are going to make the adjustment. And then when you try to project it, you look at the, you never know the playing time they're going to get. So, you know, Jamie Cheslick, Michigan State, she could be a, someone to make a difference this year, too. Okay. I think I gave you six there. Does that count as extra credit? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that does. It counts as extra credit, yeah. <laughs> well, we have a women's professional soccer league. Do we have any possible professional prospects in the Big Ten? It would be interesting to see what, what Floss can do with her. Um, Injury history of professional career might not be in the cards, but uh, you know she's someone that could be playing for a chance to show professional teams that she's capable. Chloe Lacat, uh, not as much of a household name, quote unquote, but um, she's somebody. Emily Hurd is a, is kind of this gritty and tough midfielder for Penn State, and she's in her senior season. Could be a candidate, you know. She's not as she's a lesser frills kind of a player, but sometimes those gritty and tough players are uh, ones to watch. Kara Walls, the Wisconsin Forge, Genevieve Richard, Wisconsin goalkeeper, all players who will 
probably looking to showcase themselves the NWSL. Uh, and then final question. Besides Penn State, a team if you're going to coach against, which team would you not want to see in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament? If I were a coach, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's still too early to, to tell. Um, obviously, Wisconsin, I already mentioned. Illinois, you have a big-time goal scorer. Always hard to go up against that. Minnesota, even, I would say. You know, if Hobbs is that are really informed again yeah sometimes coaching against a goalkeeper that just seems to save everything can be the worst well um travis i i thank you for uh coming on and taking uh your time taking time out of your day i know you probably have a busy schedule uh but i really appreciate it man yeah no problem thanks for having me on no problem uh that was travis clark for top tour soccer this is brooks Lambeer with the corner kick podcast and uh we'll be bringing you another one this week and uh take care everyone thanks travis yeah no problem Looks like Shaman! Early in the game, he's entitled to be a little nervous, but was he? You bet your life he wasn't. Miller, lovely cushion header. Mitchell! You're beautiful! What a headshot! What a hit! It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. And let me tip my hat to the genesis of this goal. Balotelli, Aguero.